Science on the Menu, a podcast by the European Food Safety Authority. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of our podcast series, Science on the Menu. Today, we're going to be talking about animal welfare, and um, I'm very happy to have uh, an animal welfare expert with us from EFSA, Sean Ash. Sean, hi, how are you? Hello, James. I'm very well, thanks. Great. Very glad to, to have you here with us today. So animals are sentient beings, and this is not just uh, my opinion or anyone's opinion, but a principle recognised in EU law. And we know the topic of animal welfare, which has always been important, obviously, um, has become increasingly relevant and prominent in the public debate in recent years. All animal welfare uh, legislation at the moment is in the process of being uh, updated and EFSA is also very active uh, in this space. So that's why we're talking about animal welfare today. Um, Before we really jump into the topic, I'd like to ask you, Sean, to to give us a bit bit of a a background about who you are, where you come from, how you end up working uh, at EFSA. Oh, this is a very long story, but I'll try and um, make it somewhat short. I'm a vet, graduated in 1996, spent a few years in practice. That's working as a, you know, real life hands, hands-on vet in the West of Ireland for about four years. Then I joined the competent authority in Ireland, which is the Department of Agriculture, worked on various things there. And in 2020, I was asked to um, come along and do some work here at EFSA subsequent to a new mandate arriving from the European Commission on the welfare of animals during transport. Ah, okay. So is that uh, is that an area that you're particularly familiar with or specialise in? Um, I was involved in live animal trade in the Department of Agriculture in Ireland, the policy side of that for the five years prior to um, coming to Parma. So animal welfare, I mean, some people might be surprised that that an agency like EFSA, which is essentially dealing with food safety, uh, has animal welfare as part of its remit. So so what's the link then between food safety and animal welfare? The more you look after the welfare of an animal, the healthier it will be. And broadly speaking, the healthier it's going to be, the better the quality of the food that will come from it. And that's essentially why EFSA is involved in giving independent scientific advice to the risk managers in that area. Okay, so it's the kind of, uh, with the farm to fork principle in mind, you're looking also at the, the welfare of the animals because the logic being that, you know, that translates also further down the food chain and, and has an impact on the food that we eat. Ex- exactly, yeah. but it also goes hand in hand. So the happier the animals are, in essence, the healthier they'll be. And also it works the other way around as well. And that if you have an unhealthy animal, by definition, the welfare is negatively impacted. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, it's such an interesting area of, of, of EFSA as well, because obviously at EFSA, we apply a scientific approach to the way that we, uh, that we assess animal welfare hazards. But for many people, the, the question of animal welfare is, is tied up with you know, ethics. It's an ethical issue. I mean, with EFSA's work, do you consider uh, ethical questions when you go about your, your assessments? Um, and if not, and I suspect it's a no, um, how do you separate the science from, from ethical considerations? This, it's very, that's a really interesting question, James, because very often you will hear from our animal welfare experts here that, no, that's not an animal welfare question. 
that's an ethical question. Mm. So, can you way, give me an example? Like, well, the way I describe it to myself is that animal welfare is about how the animal itself experiences life. Does okay. it have a good life or otherwise? And you can even push that to how is the animal feeling today? Yeah. What state is it in? Is it happy or sad or depressed or whatever? Ethics then is about right and wrong and is very much a human-based thing and is very much dependent on your own person. We know from our, I mean, we do social, a lot of social research. We know that animal welfare, for example, I mean, the sort of attitudes towards animal welfare, attitudes towards the welfare of specific animals is different from one country to another. Exactly, exactly. So sometimes we find ourselves or find ourselves um, when you have a group of animal welfare experts there, they'll say, well, that question falls outside our remit. You know, maybe that's a question for society at large. Let's just take a step back and look at the bigger picture. So uh, what's going on now at a at an EU level as far as legislation is concerned? Essentially, at the moment, there's a revamp of all the European legislation in relation to all farmed animals. As part of that, the European Commission asks ESSA from time to time to carry out risk assessments for particular species or particular types of animals. The content of these scientific opinions um, will then be used by the risk managers, in other words, the legislators in the European Commission, to draft legislative proposals which will essentially, once they're finalised, be the law in Europe, how animals are supposed to be treated. Okay. EFSA's got a clear role in kind of informing the science, uh, the scientific sort of basis for that. And, and I was reading recently um, about the European Citizens Initiative, uh, the End the Cage Age Initiative, um, yeah. w which is essentially a grassroots movement by EU citizens who advocate for an end to, to the practice of cage farming in the EU. Uh, and their focus was on mother pigs or sows, um, but the campaign covers all animals. Um, does this factor at all into the decision by the Commission to uh, revise legislation or to send us these requests for, for scientific advice? Or are we addressing some of the issues in any way uh, raised by the campaign in the work that we're doing? In some of the mandates, for example, the welfare of calves in husbandry, they would be addressing probably exactly that question there that you've raised. In other words, the keeping of farm animals in very small containers, you might call them cages, yeah. if, if you wanted to. Yeah. The, the origins of that are, it's a very interesting concept where basically you get a petition and if you get um, a million signatories on your petition, then the commission has to look at this and respond to it in some kind of way. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. I think it's a very interesting and, and a very powerful tool Indeed, now that society has. Yeah, yeah, direct democracy in action. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the, the, I think it's the sixth or the seventh uh, citizens initiative that's um, that's made it past. There's a threshold, isn't there? I think it's a million signatures mm -hmm. you have to get from uh, a certain number of member states. Uh, and then, uh, like you say, it, it obliges the commission to to act in some way. Yeah, it's certainly the, the end the cage age one is probably, and I, may, I would be biased because I'm more on the lookout for animal welfare related topics, Yeah, but it's, um, 
almost a catchphrase throughout society now, yeah. simply as a result of that. Yeah. So, okay, going back to um, to what we're doing here at EFSA. So you said we're producing a, a series of, uh, of scientific opinions, essentially. So this is scientific advice in response to specific questions that we've received from uh, the European Commission uh, that will feed into and inform the revision of this legislation. So what are we looking at there? What, what specifically are we looking at with these, uh, with these scientific opinions that we're doing? So there's loads of work ongoing at the moment. There is there is a, an opinion being generated for the welfare of calves and also for dairy cows, for example. But we have already published five separate opinions on the welfare of animals during transport in September. Um, an opinion for cattle, an opinion for sheep, um, pigs, horses, and poultry and rabbits. Okay. And that's, that's specifically looking at transport that is yeah. specifically looking okay. at the welfare of animals for essentially most types of transportation. Okay, and uh, so to my mind, that would mean you know looking at the conditions that animals experience during the the process of uh, transportation from I don't know where maybe the farm to slaughterhouse or whatever it is that kind of thing. Exactly, exactly. It it's a very complex area with loads of moving parts. Yeah. So what? we would have done in trying to deliver our opinions on that is we would have divided the transport um, of animals into stages. Yep. Preparation, loading, the journey itself, unloading, rest breaks, okay. etc. And then we would try and assess the welfare of the animals for each of those stages. Okay. So what kind of um what kind of things are you looking at particular in, in, in particular? We started by looking at negative things, yeah. negative welfare consequences, identifying those for each stage and then seeing what causes those. And we call those things hazards. Okay. So then we have a welfare consequence linked to a hazard. And then we try to make recommendations which will either reduce the level of the welfare consequence or eliminate it altogether. Okay. Can you give me an example with, uh, with the transport? The transport, we would... Um, in terms of heat stress, for example, which can be a very serious problem experienced by livestock being transported throughout Europe, particularly in the summer months, obviously, and particularly if they're queuing at a border to try and maybe be exported. The, the opinion therein, having identified that as a significant welfare consequence, makes recommendations in terms of what temperatures the animals should not be exposed to, an upper threshold, as it were. Yeah of the temperature which the animals experience within the truck yeah. in this context. Okay. Space is another um, very important area which is obviously fairly relevant to legislation because you can define it, you can define the space. Yeah. And so it, it is um, very relevant. And so in terms of space, we have made recommendations to try and maximize the positive experience of the animals throughout tra transport and indeed minimize any negative effects of not having enough space to carry out the activities that they need to carry out during transport. Okay, Sean, so you've spoken about um, space, you've spoken about heat. What about journey time? I know that's something that, um, that you consider as well. Yeah, James, it's a really important issue. The point in relation to journey time is no matter how high a quality the journey actually is, they, you can only minimize hazards that the animals are exposed to um, during the trip. For example, 
the vibrations of the truck, the general motion of the truck, the inability to, to access water efficiently, or simply just not having enough space. Okay, so, so what does that mean then? I mean, what do we say in concrete terms about journey times? Um, concretely, in the opinion, we say that due to the stress experienced by the animals during these journeys, the journeys should be as short as possible. Okay, uh, some, some of these measures, I imagine, they mean change, obviously. Have, have you had any kind of reaction from stakeholders or what's the kind of general feeling? Well, firstly, to say that the, the opinions published in September have been received very well. For the first time in EFSA, we've tried to put ourselves as it were in the animal's shoes. What <laughs> is the welfare experience of the animal throughout transport? and try to assess that as best we could. Um, so hey, does that represent a change compared to the sort of status quo? Historically, what used to happen in, the, in animal welfare experts very often would have been, well, the animals recovered fairly quickly from the transport and not too many of them died. Okay. Dead on arrivals and recovery period or time. As a measure of whether or not there was a, a welfare, welfare issue, issue. Yeah. in general. Okay. But yeah. we're just trying to, as I say, assess the experience of the animals throughout each stage, yeah. which is a kind of a step forward. Um, and it means that our recommendations are very much animal centric, yeah. very much animal focused. However, the commission and the legislators in general won't only be looking at animal welfare in terms of this. They'll be looking at the economic impact of our recommendations as well. Sure. That's that's a job, not for EFSA. It's a completely separate no. job. Yeah, yeah. However, it will have an impact in terms of the phraseology and the content of the legislative proposals that the yeah. commission will put forward. I imagine, yeah. Okay, Sean, thanks very much. I think um, we've got the picture now as far as, uh, you know, what EFSA is doing. I just wanted to go back to something you said at the beginning. You mentioned you were a vet at a certain point. So do you have any, um, or maybe you still consider yourself a vet, <laughs> but do you have any um, any personal experience of, of, you know, working with, with animals, uh, transporting animals, these kinds of things? Um, when I was younger, when I was a child, I begged my parents to bring me to horse riding lessons begged them. Eventually they relented and it kind of snowballed from there. Okay. My dad got interested. We got a couple of horses and ponies and stuff like that. Every weekend we'd load up the horse trailer and off we'd go either to a local show or a national show. Oh, so wow. we did a lot of that. And then I gave up riding for a long time, but I was on holidays with my partner in Spain in 2009 and we bought two Arabian mares from a stud farm just outside Seville. So myself and my dad borrowed a jeep and trailer, drove down there, loaded up the two unhandled mares, um, drove up through Spain, up through France, yeah. got the ferry to the UK, drove across the UK, got another ferry across to Dublin and breathed a sigh of relief at that stage. Wow, that, that's a long way because Seville's right down at the bottom, isn't yeah. it? Then you have to go. Was it a, a smooth journey? Um, well, the mares behaved really, really well. Yeah. Um, we were doing super well until we were found ourselves on the ring road of Paris. The traffic started to back up and then we were diverted and diverted again. And we saw roadworks and diverted again. And we found ourselves driving through downtown Paris <laughs> with our two unbroken horses in the trailer. Really? Um, so that was uh, my heart is in my mouth for uh, for. <laughs> for a certain period of time there. But other than that, everything went very well. I bet. But you made it home uh, okay in the end. And what's happened now to the Arabian mares? 
Um, they live um, happily about 20 minutes outside Parma here yeah. in Italy. Ah, they, you brought them with you to Italy. Was oh, that yeah. another long journey? Of course, the whole, the, the whole family comes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great. They're getting old now, but they're so very happy. So you ride them still here? Yeah? Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Okay, Sean, let's stop there. Uh, again, thank you very much. And um, good luck with uh, the rest of your, your work this year for the Animal Welfare Opinions. And we look forward to seeing what's coming up uh, later in the year. Thank you, James. Thank it's you. my pleasure. Thank you very much, everyone, for being with us here today. That's it for the time being, but we'll have a new episode out soon if you enjoyed this episode if you're enjoying the podcast don't forget to subscribe and uh, please connect with us too on our social media channels until the next time thanks very much and goodbye